Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, this is a momentous show. Because the intro worked? That, and you stayed up to watch Thursday Night Football. I did stay up to watch Thursday Night Football. Now, I wish I could get that time back in my life, but I don't think I'm going to the ultimate Thursday night football game. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that in a minute. We're it's gonna... just such a train wreck. I don't get it. What don't you get? <laughs> why, why there's why every single game that's on Thursday night football is so bad. I mean, do the, do, do the teams like purposely play down to Thursday night football? Let, let's be honest. The, the teams playing last night weren't the top of the league, but you know, yeah, but the Eagles are top of the division. God, it's I can't. Two, I, I can't. four, and one, first place. And the the thing about that is, Dallas is a mess. It's just <laughs> the whole season is unbelievable. I mean, six, nine, and one could put you in the playoffs, Jeff. That's wait a second. You're aiming a lot higher. Six, nine, and one, four. 13 no, and one could be, I don't think four wins gets it. Okay. I think, I think six is, but I mean, look, the way that Dallas has played the, the dissension of what came out this week from people on that team talking about how the coaching staff has no clue. That's a new staff there, Jeff. That's not an old regime. It's bad when you're not halfway through the season and your players are putting you on blast in the media. My question is, is how in the world, I don't know if you've seen the big tattoo on Ezekiel Elliott's stomach that said, feed me. Yes. Did, does he's now feeding everybody else because he doesn't seem to be able to hang, hang, hang on to the ball anymore. Got a fumbling problem. Yeah. And he's, he needs to call Tiki Barber because I mean, it's quite, it's quite enjoyable to watch another player have it. How you like me working the giants into that there. That's yeah. You're, you're having a lot of fun, but that's okay. Talking smack in this case. Sad. Uh, it's really not smack talking because I mean, somebody had to win the game last night, just like somebody's going to have to win the NFC East. Right. I don't walk away though. I mean, you look at what there is. They've had 11 or 12 offensive linemen so far. Uh, <laughs> more injuries last night. So I don't want to get too into the game. What did you think of the atmosphere on TV for a Thursday night? Some fans in the stadium. Uh, could you get into it? I don't think it makes a difference. It's not it without a full stadium there. It's not. I mean, just having a bunch of people scattered throughout. It just it's not the same. So you could pipe it in or not pipe it in. I don't think it makes a difference to me. Uh, I'll start at sort of at towards the end. Was that dirty on Deshaun Jackson? That it? That's what you're worried about? No, I'm just asking of the many things. I'm trying to stall for a minute till Keith gets on because I don't want to get too into the the game discussion. We'll we'll, break well then since you're after. talking about offensive linemen, why don't you talk about the fact that the Raiders is going to play a football game with with possibly no offensive line? They are all on the COVID list right now. It makes no sense. They may come off the COVID list in time for the game. Just in time. The game, of course. So they're going to Zoom practice? Like, how are they going to do this? The game was moved off of Sunday night. Um, yeah. Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll see if it gets played then. Yeah, I have all sorts of questions about that. But look, why don't we get to Keith instead? Let's talk a little Sixers and then see if he can talk a little trash. Keith Pompey, uh, you're an ultimate trash talker of football on social media accounts. Uh, 
I, how are you doing after last night's game? <laughs> um, hey, I'm great, man. Uh, you know, yeah. Here's the thing: they can continue to lose, and hope the Jets win a couple couple games, and then they get an elite quarterback. See, Jeff doesn't want That's that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want. Come, that. come on, Keith. Do you I mean, really have any confidence that Dave Gettleman's going to pick the right person? I mean, he might go after get a get a tight end who you know <laughs> who's a blocking tight end. <laughs> maybe maybe he that, can get but... a, a, you know Evan Ingram's replacement since Evan Ingram can't catch a wide open ball. I know that He's was crazy, out. wasn't it? I knew they lost yeah. and he dropped it. We'll uh, get more football talk with you when we know you have more time. We know you're on a tight schedule. Always appreciate you hopping on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to let him off that easily. Oh, you're not letting you him off. Never mind. Jeff's not No. Me. All right. So, so Keith, Keith is a master of social media for people that don't know. And, and as, a, as a devout Giants fan, he has no problem trash talking his own team. So, so what was Keith's reaction to Danny Dimes? Uh, <laughs> turf monster tackle um it was a uh, i think it was oh you know how like the emoji where people put their hands up like they have their shoulders like uh yeah. elevated and their arms up yeah like what the heck was that yeah that's what it was my Danny my, fa- my, fa- mm-hmm. my favorite social media response was was from stefan diggs who described danny dimes as the character in every horror movie who's running away from the slow moving um killer and trips over nothing and then gets himself killed mm-hmm. now, in fairness to you both he ran faster than like tyree Hill did <laughs> he was like he was like 21.3 miles an hour so he just has to work on staying standing up he was like a cartoon character yeah, they, so he, were moving he, faster like, than his body. he looked like a, a olympic sprinter trying to reach the finish line you know how they lean forward <laughs> like it was like what are you doing dude keep running <laughs> It tried trying to reach the finish line about 10 yards too short. Uh, Keith, tell me what's going on in Sixers land here. Uh, we got a new coach. They're trying to put together a staff. We got changes in the front office. What do I need to know right now? No, you need to know that it's incomplete, <laughs> so to speak. Now, um, you know, here's the thing. Um, right now, they're trying to change over everything. You know, they're trying to get, uh, you know, Doc Rivers, they hired him. There's a guy, Roy Rogers, who's a, a big man coach that he's going after, who's a, a, a good guy, um, a good coach, rather. Um, I mean, you know, he's a great person as well. But Well, he also owns a lot that, of re- great restaurants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's the joke. That's the joke. And then they did make some adjustments to the front office, right? Now, my biggest problem is, like, you're making all these adjustments, but you still have the same roster, and you don't have a lot of cap space. So – you can make as many adjustments as you can, but if you can't get rid of these guys, it's going to be a problem. I mean, you can coach them up. You can do whatever you want. But if their pieces don't fit, you still have a problem. Okay. Well, you, we the three of us have talked in the past about getting a staff together and what each member of the staff could possibly uh, do to benefit the players that we currently have. Assuming this, the players stay the same. How does Jorger fit into the Sixers? Um, I think like the defensive shortcomings that they had, I think that he could he could figure it out and 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 they could benefit from that. You know, you look at, I mean, if you look at when he was in Memphis, 
you know, he had Mark Gasol and he had Zach Randolph, and they were a pretty good tandem, right? Um, and defensively, you know, Mark Gasol had, you know, was a great defensive player, you know, in the system. So when I look at stuff like that, when when I look at stuff like that, um, I, I think that, you know, that, that will benefit the Sixers a lot just because of his defensive mindset. Yeah, we're good. Thank you so much. If we're looking at who they've added in the front office, are are things going to change? They have Peter Dinwiddie here, and they have Prosper Karangwa that they've added. Uh, They reassigned Alex Rucker. What's the makeup of the front office going to be going forward? You know, I I think the makeup of the front office, you know, I think that Doc Rivers will probably be heavily involved. I mean, when you say, when you hear a head coach says that he and the GM are going to work together, I think the doc, you know, the, the, the coach is going to be involved. I think um, Prosper, when he, and not Prosper, but Peter Dinwiddie, he comes with a track record in, as regards being a hard worker and putting things together. So I think he's going to be a guy behind the scenes, you know, making things happen, making them work. I think that, you know, Elton Brand is still going to be the contact. You know, I, I think it's, I know they hate to say this, but I, I can't see it not being collaborative. You know, I mean, just by the new faces that they have. And I think that Doc Rivers, you know, if you're a guy and you come in here and you're used to having power and the Sixers need you more than the, than you need the Sixers, I think that he's going to have a, a huge say in what goes on. You know, Keith, we have a, a decent amount of time, what, 30 days until the draft. Um, I'm not going to ask you yet who the Sixers are going to take because this draft is a mess. But if you had to pick one guy in this front office who's making the decision or the guy that you would most count on to make the decision, who in the front office now is the person that you think is leading the charge is who will make the pick for the Sixers if the Sixers make the pick? I mean, I think it's Doc Rivers. I mean, I think he'll be the guy that's going to do it. I think it's going to be him. You know, I mean, I know like Elton Brand is just the GM and everything, but I think that Doc is going to look at this, say, look at this roster, guys. I need some help. And when you look at some of the decisions that were made in the past, you know, people were questioning them. And I think that even if Doc doesn't have the final say, you know, he's going to um, at least have his um, make his uh, opinion known, and they have to listen to him. You know. So what? What do you think Doc's direction is now? For this team, if you're looking at the roster, obviously we'll have to see what what moves can be made in terms of contracts. But in the draft, what type of player do you think they're looking for? Um, if it was me, right about now. Um, now here's the thing about Doc. Like you know, he he really likes veteran players. But if it was me, right about now, I need a I need a point guard who 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 can shoot, or just go out there and get me a couple shooters. You know, I mean, or a shooter. That's what they need. That's what they need the most. Now, if it was me also, don't be – if it was me, I would try to see if, if, if I can make a trade, which is probably going to be hard, but you probably, if you're in order to make a trade, you may have to get rid of that 21st pick. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's 100% definite that they will make that that move, but if you if you're saying, like, what do they need, they need a shooter. They need a they they need a point guard. That's the big two biggest biggest needs that they need. Is it possible that Josh Richardson is the expendable t- piece on this team to try to get a shooter? 
You know, I, I don't know because, you know, when you look at Josh Richardson's salary, um, I mean, somebody may want to take him, but if I'm the Sixers, Josh is a guy that I would really like to keep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get what you're saying, but, you know, Josh is making, what, $11 million? I mean, that's a bargain compared to what everyone else is making on that team, the other starters. You know, yeah, but, he's, um, but isn't he a free agent at the end of the next season? Which would mean at that point they're not going to be able to afford signing him anyway. He is, but but at the same time, some teams when guys like that they don't they may not try to trade for him unless they really want because they know he's going to be a free agent. So if we're looking at it, what other roster moves are do you think are even possible? Are, are I, you hear these crazy like, oh, I throw a trade scenario in in the tracker, and Embiid's being sent to someplace. Or instead, I mean, that doesn't seem realistic to me. If it's not Josh Richardson, who is the piece? Is it Al Horford? Like, what can this team do right now to get themselves out of the situation and unwind some of the decisions that have put them here? Okay, here's the thing. This is what I think. Uh, I think what you guys are saying is correct. Like, Josh Richardson is the best piece. He is the best piece. But if I'm the Sixers, that's not the piece I'm trying to move on from. Now, if you can get a team like Sacramento and they know you know they need a big and you can get rid of the 21st pick and you can get um, – what's his name? Uh, what's the disgruntled shooter from uh, – Buddy Hill. From, uh, yeah, Buddy Hill. Then go after that. Like, you know, the thing is Josh Richardson isn't the problem as far as his salary. And I understand that. Now, the thing is they're still going to be over the cap. Now, you can make a trade. And you're going to all you're going to do is you're going to get like eleven million dollar player back in return, or you can get two guys to accumulate to eleven. To basically, that's not a lot anymore in the NBA. So what I'm saying is, if you can get rid of somebody, get rid of Al Horford's contract, then that's benefiting you down the road. Even when Josh Richardson comes off the books next year, they're still going to be in luxury top, um, luxury um, cap. Like, I'm I'm not going to say H-E-L-L, but that's what they're going to be in, you know. So Josh Richardson moving him doesn't benefit the Sixers like people, like, you know, like, like people are thinking. All right. You know, Keith, I, I don't know if you just made Jason cry or if he's just looking up to the heavens for some other reason. But we went through the whole process <laughs> and we're in worse shape than when we started. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's the main problem. He's not the problem. You know, he was just someone that they got in exchange for Jimmy Butler. No, you're right. He's not the problem, but but you have to find a solution. And sometimes the guy who's not the problem has to be included in whatever the solution is. So, uh, look, I like Josh Richardson. I think that he was put in a bad spot last year. I think that he was given a role that wasn't the kind of role that he's built to succeed for. But at some point, his role was last year. Yeah, but the, but, but that's here, but that's the part of the problem is these guys didn't right. know their roles last year, and the roles they were put in were the wrong roles. If you put Josh Richardson even in the right role this year, you still have a problem that there's nobody to shoot the ball from the outside. But here's the thing: Josh Richardson is trying to get paid, right? right. So if you if you draft Josh, I mean if you trade for Josh Richardson you have to be committed to giving him a lot of money next year. That's the thing, because you're going to trade for Josh Richardson, and there's a possibility that you're going to lose him. So a lot of teams, as good as he is, and we say that, 
a lot of teams aren't thinking the same way that we are because you're not trying to do that and lose a player. The player that a team will say is great would be a Matisse Seibel because he's still on his rookie deal and he's not making a lot of money. That's the guy. Like Josh Richardson, you can trade for him and then you'll lose him. Now, if this team is cap strapped or something in that 11 million, whatever it is coming off the books is going to help, it's cool. But like when we think of trades, we got to think of what the other team is thinking. Now, the thing is, if you got a team and you think you can make a championship run in the next couple of years, and you look at Al Horford or someone like that, and you're willing to do it, then at least you have them for a couple of years. Now, again, some people may not think that with that with that contract, but what I'm saying is, you got to be careful if you give up someone something for someone and then they leave because they want to go to the highest bidder, and that's what's going to happen with Josh. I mean, Josh is going to want to get paid. He's already said that. And whoever trades for him, they have to make sure that they're willing to pay him. You know? Yeah. Well, look, if you want to get all the insight on the Sixers and the NBA, the place to go is Keith's column in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Keith, where else can we find you? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. And then you can also uh, listen to my podcast, Locked On Podcast. We we have to get my man Jason on there. I know we keep saying that. We gotta we gotta let it make it happen soon. Yeah. Look, I recommend people people subscribe. It's it's a must listen. Uh, they can subscribe to us. They can subscribe to Keith. It's it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, and it's and not we- weekly. It's when news happens. So I I get surprised by a little gem that Keith puts out where I learn. Yeah. Now now Keith, before we let you sign off though, here's your shot to take a shot at the Cowboys. You got the floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really I don't really, look, man, I'm a Giants fan. I can't take a shot at anyone. <laughs> oh, <cut. laughs> there, there's always a chance to take a shot, but we'll think of some things. If you think of yeah, something, they, text me and I'll I'll read I mean, your text on air. They call him Danny Dimes, but all I know is who's getting tackled by the turf. <laughs> Keith will follow all the latest news that you're breaking at Pompeii at Sixers always appreciate a little time take care of yourself man and I'll definitely come on your right, show thank soon you. thanks brother bye bye Jeff uh, I, I'm sorry to like cry on air but mm-hmm. are we really like in worse shape than we were when we signed Andrew Bynum no like come like, on we have players now no no no, no. yeah we're, let, let's not go that far we're not in worse shape than we were back then with our, andrew our cap, our cap is no well look yeah but you have two of the top 15 players in the nba the problem is sure fitting people around them better. what we're not 100 percent sure that it'll work with them is the first step is to try and put the pieces around them that will work yeah but that's just the question you asked which is the one that i answered which is are we worse off than the Andrew Bynum era? And the answer is emphatically no. Why? Because Embiid's not out there bowling. <laughs> he's well, he's on the court at least sometimes. Andrew Bynum never made it onto the court. Uh, any other Sixers thoughts? I don't have confidence <clears throat> that it is still other people um, making decisions. I still think it's Josh Harris very involved making those decisions in this organization. Look, I worry about any fantasy owners. And the question is, is Josh Harris a fantasy owner? So far to date, he appears to be. 
the question is whether or not having somebody of the caliber of Doc Rivers is going to let him kind of take a more backseat role. Uh, I don't think Doc Rivers is going to sit idly by and let the owner make the decisions. I was actually kind of surprised at Keith's answer of who ah. do you think, yeah, who is the person Even most like to make the draft pick? And it, he said, Doc Rivers. Even though I do respect uh, at his opening press conference, he said, call me Glenn. There's only one doc in Philadelphia. I respect that. Mm -hmm. that. That was pretty cool. So is it, wait, is, so is, does that mean that he's not going to be called Doc Rivers anymore? I'm sure everybody will still call him Doc Rivers. <laughs> no, I mean, is that, but is that what he no, wants? No, to that's, that was what, uh, what he said at the press conference when he was announced. That's interesting. Which I, which I thought was classy. Yeah. Uh, report out. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. There isn't only one doc in Philadelphia, though. No. There was a pretty good pitcher here named Doc Holliday. There was. Yeah. There was. So for a little while, he was yeah. definitely here and it was special. Uh, report out that the NBA is considering starting their next season on Christmas Day would be a 72 game campaign that starts and ends before the 2021 Summer Olympics. If you're playing Summer Olympic basketball, that's a lot of basketball to play in They're two not. years. There's, there's, there is no way that the NBA players can play Summer olympics basketball unless it is teams unless it's players on teams that do not make the playoffs they're all just can't have it about play scenarios and uh play-in scenarios uh mid-season tournament because apparently they're looking for ways to generate more revenue in their 75th anniversary season and try things so is is the idea to make it kind of like the mls is back i mean when are you going to have time for more tournament games do you, before covid if you remember we went through a period of two years of creating an expanded date schedule so that there would be more open dates and less back-to-back -back games. Now, I understand and appreciate that because of COVID that we have less games in less period of time, but you're not doing that and you're not accomplishing the player safety agenda that they talked about a couple of years ago. If you're going to have 72 game campaign with some sort of tournaments in the middle of it. I didn't say it would be for player safety, Jeff. I just said they wanted the money. I, I just... <laughs> the same thing, uh, like, when you go with the NFL with their Thursday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Sunday games, and you ask about player safety, and it's like, it's not really about that, apparently. Uh, yeah, so I mean... People get COVID, no big deal. We'll just put them on a non-COVID list and bring somebody else up to fill their spot. No big deal, right, Jeff? I literally get a headache from all of this is that they keep saying player safety in all these leagues. And at the end of the day, it's really not player safety. I mean, this whole thing, now we can get back to the Raiders, makes absolutely no sense to me. If these guys have the entire part of the team, offensive line was sent home, okay? And they're not allowed to see each other, which means they can't practice all week. So you're either going to have the starters come back having practiced zero together for a full week against one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Buccaneers are that good. And, or you're going to have a bunch of guys off the practice squad who have never practiced with the starting other groups, the wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterback. The Eagles have been doing that all season. Yeah, but they're doing it at least one at a time because of injury. You're talking about the entire offensive line. You mean that's not ideal? No. Look, for people that don't understand how the how important it is for an offensive line to practice together, 
the majority of injuries that you see on offensive linemen are leg injuries, right? And it's usually because of where they have placed their feet. You have five guys of 300 plus pounds, over six feet tall, in a small shoulder-to-shoulder area. Every step backwards and sideways has to be worked out and coordinated so that they're not landing on each other, stepping on each other, and tripping each other. And you have guys that are going to go out there, and they're going to have a bunch of guys bowling into them without having practiced that all week. That can't be good for the whole reason they put in. If you look at the rules the NFL put in, one of the rules is about positions. If a certain number of people on the defensive offensive line can't make it, then they can't play. You can't have a situation where an entire grouping like this. I think they're they're moving towards pushing that game to Monday night or Tuesday. Uh, I think moving it out of Sunday night was a way to make sure that they had a game that they knew would be played in their mind and they'd get ratings. And now they have the flexibility. Stop. To move Stop the right there. Don't. Okay. I agree, totally agree with you that they moved that game out of there so that there would be 20 million people that are watching a game on Sunday night football. It had nothing to do with the safety of the players. No, it had to do with them worrying that the game would be canceled and they would have a hole in their Sunday night schedule. And Mike Vito behind the glass, if you can just cut that with Jeff saying, I totally agree with you, I'm going There was a but at the end of that. You can't do that. That is the most disingenuous cut that you all have. Welcome to my world. It's all good, Jeff. Here, here, Mike. Just so he has one, I agree with you. There you go. Thank you. We're not even discussing a topic, but at least now you have something as a ringtone. Do you I feel better now? I have a good drop on the show for the future. I'll make a <laughs> comment, and then I'll have you agree with me. I it, love it. It'll be a wonderful conversation that we have together. All right, so back to back to the – somehow we got off the NBA starting around Christmas. Yes. You think it's going to happen? Oh, look, I, you know me. I've said before, COVID, that the NBA should start at Christmas. I still think that – Do you think it's going to happen? No, I don't. I still think it's in January because I think the owners want to try and get people in the arena. And I don't think that Christmas you have people in the arena. And so, you know what? But I don't think that stops it because if you, I think it's more a question of health and safety as to whether they do start. But I actually, from from a marketing perspective, which is the way I think you would look at it, is if you can have a primer where you start your season season on Christmas day and everybody's just watching on TV. And then with the idea that the next week you're going to be able to have people, then I think that's a good idea. I just don't think we're going to be ready to have large number of fans in indoor arenas in the winter before a vaccine. I've said for years, I believe the season start dates should be shifted. Mm-hmm. Said it on this show, the NBA should start on Christmas. Hockey should start on new year's hockey already has branded new year's as their they have their outdoor game that day. They've the trained classic. to watch hockey. Basketball has a quadruple header, you know, quintuple header through the day. People are used to watching basketball. It's a natural fit, and you're not asking the fans to change too much of their schedule. Speaking of them, mm-hmm. I, I did, you know I'm a ratings guy. No. And, and I just want to know what you think <laughs> of the ratings being down. People want to ascribe motives and, and whatever it is. I'm sure there's lots of reasons but ratings for the nba finals were down 49 percent. the stanley cup finals were down 61 percent. the nfl's down 13 percent through week five baseball golf tennis horse racing and all other sports have seen huge declines Mm -hmm. 
people will ascribe motives and say it's because players are taking a social stand leagues are capitulating leagues are not going along with us enough they're they're not doing enough whatever they think it is is it it's obviously a combination of things but is it that people just aren't spending as much time watching sports i think well i i could tell you i mean you know you and i have had this conversation for me it's not the diversion that I had hoped it would be. It is actually a constant reminder that, that we're going through all of this. Sports in general is a diversion from all of the stressors in life. Yes, we get stressed out, some more people more than others when they watch their teams. But the idea is it takes you outside of your own life and you have something that for three hours, you get to just cheer for, boo, whatever you wanna do and just kind of watch the sport and forget about everything that else is going in your life. When you watch a sporting event, it is still now constantly in your face that we're all inside. And so I know for me, I've had a really hard time watching football. I've watched very little football and you know how much I love football. College football, I, I've, I've toiled over the idea of whether or not I'm gonna watch my beloved Michigan Wolverines in their opening game tomorrow. Now, you know, my, for the last 15 years, I've taken my kid to every opening game. Obviously, I can't do that this year. Um, it is Michigan's a unique situation. Their campus is literally on lockdown, except for their athletes. Right? Well, so that's another thing for me. I, I'm having a hard time with this because I don't. I've expressed this with SEC teams, and now I'm going to express it with my with my school. I don't think they're handling this well. I don't think that you can have, in Michigan's case, what you're referring to is the entire university is in a stay in place order. Nobody's supposed to be going anywhere, and yet somehow. 100 plus players, plus a large staff and everything around it is moving around. I know they're getting tested every day, but they are moving around and now getting on a plane and going to Minnesota to play a football game against another team that has 100 plus players and all of that staff. And they're all going to be hitting each other and spitting on each other and, you know, slobber going all over the place. And you cannot tell me that when you, your entire university of 30 plus thousand people is on a stay in place order that it makes sense or that we have our priorities in place that they're going to be playing a football game. It's not the diversion that we think it is. And, and quite frankly, I don't know how much money they're making. I know the big 10 net, net, network is, is very lucrative for the league, but all these stadiums are 80 to except, well, except for Rutgers are all 80 to 110,000 people. Shot there. <laughs> They're not getting that revenue. Nobody's in the stands. I think that's why it makes the ratings more relevant. Because if you're not getting in-person revenue, then your television contracts become that more, much more essential to funding, whether you're college or pro, and keeping this economic model working until you can get fans back in the stadium. All right. So let me ask you that question. Do you think the economic model survives after this? For the majority of universities in the country. No, I don't actually. And you're starting to see it. Um, Michigan State, uh, they're going to play Rutgers tomorrow. They cut their diving team two days ago. You're seeing them pick and choose and cut sports that aren't the revenue generators, but are costing them money. And I, I think that you're going to see more strains on these universities, especially the public universities who are going to have to account for those dollars to their taxpayers in terms of what they're spending. And yes, you can have all the boosters in the world, but when you've got people not getting jobs in a state, it's going to be hard to have those line items in a budget that goes to fund 
what's considered an add-on. I just, I don't know how the, the current model of the university system in the United States is going to be able to survive this. Uh, as you said, you're already seeing all these other, these other programs being cut. I can see some of those coming back just as not as scholarship sports at some point. I think that's what's going to happen, that, that kids who want to play these sports for the sake of and love of playing them, that's fine. I think a lot of the scholarships are going to go away. And I think if that goes away, uh, you wonder if basketball is a better ch- has a better chance of survival. I don't know if the college football model survives, except in a smaller group of schools. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how it all shakes out. Some other college news, the Army-Navy game isn't going to be played in Philly this year, Jeff. It's going to be played uh, on the campus of one of the universities. Uh, West Point will actually host the 121st version. It'll be the first time since World War II when Annapolis hosted the game in 42 and West Point in 43 that they've played on a home site. Well, I guess we we won't be going to uh, media day and getting to meet all the coaches and players and and doing all that stuff. Maybe we'll be able to get them to call in. But uh, I guess my biggest disappointment is I don't get to spend more time with Urban Meyer. (laughs) (laughs) We enjoyed that last year. Uh, Speaking of Urban Meyer and uh, his old SEC roots, uh, LSU bans Odell Beckham for two years. Why is LSU imposing their own penalties? <laughs> why is Obel, Odell Beckham only getting a two-year ban? Oh, and, and why is this not a bigger story? It's this is a guy, kind of he was handing out cash in the locker room after the national championship game. I, I saw it as like an also-ran note someplace. Yeah. Like, oh, LSU is suspending him. It's like, what? Well, they're also, gonna, they're also taking away scholarships. But this whole idea of punishing yourself... It makes no sense. Well, that was the whole point of the NCAA. What's the point of them if if we just allow self-regulation of universities now? Well, it's not just the NCAA. It's also the conferences. I mean, each conference seems to have its own rules. I mean, for people who don't understand how gray shirts work, it seems like the the schools in the South have all these guys stashed away on scholarships or semi-scholarships or promises of scholarships when they don't have any. There's there's all these different rules that, that have come up. But this one's pretty simple. If you're giving cash to players, there should be some sanction for it. And the sanction should not be, well, we're going to slap ourselves. Did you, are you, as, as a parent of two young boys who are going to get in trouble, going to let them put their own, uh, let them create their own punishments? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's not so, going to <laughs> My son already tries to do that. Daddy, I'll right. do it myself. Don't worry. Like, no, yeah, so, <laughs> so, so, so why do schools who obviously couldn't monitor themselves in the first place get to decide what their punishments are and say, oh, and we won't do it again. So you don't even have to come over here and look. I will still watch college football because I watch sports. And so I'm that guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, but, but So tomorrow's but I, game, I will you be watching Rutgers, Michigan state? Yes, I will. Because you will. I can't handle For how long? Until it gets out of hand. <laughs> so I'm actually very curious to see the team that Rutgers puts on the field because they've had a very good recruiting class. They've got very good momentum for next year for their recruiting. Like not a very recru- very good recruiting class for Rutgers. A yeah. actual very good recruiting class, apparently. Okay. So I'm, they've had some the transfers in, so they're not mm-hmm. just a young team. I'm curious to see what they look like under Shiano. So yeah, I want to watch. 
Plus, I just can't stand to get 100 score alerts and not know that it's coming. I bet you turn it off by the end of the first quarter. If that happens, okay, so here's if I've turned it off by the first quarter, it means I've gotten like five text messages from you already about how bad that game was. What time is the game at? Noon. You will wake up just. I'm not watching that. Oh, you're what do you mean I'll wake up? What do you think I sleep till noon? See, you don't stay up late. Oh, oh, here comes the old thing. See, if I go to bed early, that doesn't mean I have to get up late. If you're feeling attacked, that's on you. I <laughs> speaking of staying up late last night, let's go yeah. back to the Eagles game. Uh-huh. And so it was, it was an ugly game, man. Being an Eagles fan is not easy right now. Being a Giants fan is harder. But being an uh, NFC East fan is is embarrassing. They should be handing out paper bags to the anybody from all four cities. The Eagles were down 11 points with six minutes and 18 seconds remaining. They had a 3% win probability. I actually saw a great. I hate, I hate that statistic. I saw a great graphic of it was Daniel Jones, like running up a hill and then just falling off yeah. at the very end. Uh, they ended up winning 22-21. They're now 2-4-1 and one on the season and first place in the NFC. Jeff, this is different from us. We're not normally on the air day after game. Yeah. We normally get like time to digest what happened, what we saw. Well, this wasn't um, really a game, so it was a tale of like different parts. The the first part, Wentz looked great. Then mm-hmm. the, the defense was just shutting down Daniel Jones. The the second part, the offense couldn't do anything. Carson Wentz looked terrible. And Danny Dimes shots. Danny, you Dimes know, Dimes you know what Daniel Jones looked like? You ever play like Madden football? If there was like a burst mode, if ever played Madden? Football. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that was a question I shouldn't ask. But you know how like on some video games they have like a burst mode, like like it looks like somebody found a way to hit the burst mode on Daniel Jones and he didn't know how to stop it. Carson Wentz had Giants players in his lap all night long. He was twenty five of forty three for three hundred fifty nine yards and two touchdown passes, both in the final four and a half minutes. Uh, the, there's good and there's bad with this team. Obviously, you get a win. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I'm going to celebrate them getting a win. I'm not going to like overreact to what it is, though. They beat the Giants. Well, it's, it's they, good that you didn't overreact and say they are a Super Bowl team. Uh, Travis Fulgham, again, another good night. Five catches for 73 yards, a 40-yarder. John Hightower caught the ball this time. Mm-hmm. Now that was nice back, of him, huh? Back-to-back 50-yard receptions. Richard Rodgers had better game than Zach Ertz has had all season. That situation is getting uglier, by the way. Zach Ertz is now out after his injury in last week's game against Baltimore, going to be out up to potentially six weeks or longer with that ankle. And reports came out yesterday that before that injury, they were trying to trade Zach Ertz. We've gone from a contract extension to keep Carson Wentz's favorite player to a guy that seems like he is on his way off this team. I think he is. And I think it's I think it's pretty obvious at this point that that they want to go with Dallas Goddard, assuming assuming he comes back healthy. And then I think though I, I would be willing to bet you they draft another tight end next year. All right, so I need to to vent a little bit. Uh, I do not claim to be the football expert. Um, I, I watch a lot, yeah. of teams and I I watch a lot of other teams' offenses and the way they're designed. You watch a way way more Thursday night football than me. I watch every day of football more than you guy that that ran the philly special in the super bowl granted nick Foles called the play but doug went with it where's the imagination in the play calling on this team uh what you know he called a run up the middle to boston scott on a key third and one when the run hadn't worked all night long they 
They do nothing creative with Jalen Hurts. It's like they forgot that he actually threw the ball in college. They bring him in to dive right into the line. Mm-hmm. He continues to call deep drops when the line clearly cannot hold up to it. Get the ball out fast. Three-step drop, roll. You saw it early in the game with those first 15 plays. He, he was playing under control. There was tempo in the offense. Then all of a sudden, Doug goes into his playbook, and he's got him doing seven and eight-step drops, and they're just in his lap right away. He runs a two-point conversion with Carson Wentz from the one-yard line that goes nowhere and is the most predictable play that there was. And finally, my favorite, the fade to the fifth tight end who hadn't played a snap all season long on fourth and goal. Granted, the officials missed a pass interference, but seriously, that was your best play call on a fourth and one. You went to your fifth tight end who hadn't played one snap before that game. What the hell is going on with this team, Jeff? See, now I was very disappointed in your rant until the last 45 seconds. Then you, you hit burst mode. You, you All of a sudden, then it was a rant. It was kind of like this calm. Now I realize it was a slow boil. And yeah, then, I didn't want to just erupt at first, but yeah. I, I don't understand. And I've told you this. I believe that this team has not been the same since Frank Reich left. It hasn't been the same. It's it's clear that that Frank Wright was was the uh, was the engine. He was the guy that was devising more creative plays, and I think a lot of the players trusted him. The problem here, the one thing is, is I don't think you can be creative when you don't have pass protection, because I think creativity comes off of being able to have time. Wouldn't Having Jalen Hurts do misdirection and. You can't. You can't do misdirection. If you have ever, if you ever see a reverse when the offensive line breaks down, what happens? They tackle you behind the line. Creativity and those types of plays require extra time. They require offensive lines to be able to move in certain ways. The 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 longer drop, the deep drops don't make any sense to me. That part I agree with you. That's, it's but the, the creativity can exist with this offensive line. It's the rollout versus the deep drops. To me, if your weakness is your inability to hold up against the pass rush getting in his lap, why are you making him stand back there so long? Why are you making them block so long? And look, maybe it's on Carson, who we saw it again last night, does not like to give up on a play, always wants to try and make the play through one interception that was very ill-advised, through another across his body that should have been intercepted but wasn't. So there is that. And maybe some of that is on Carson. We can debate that all day long. Is he going to make it to the end of the season? Not if he plays like this. He's getting... I'm, talk- I'm not talking about him being cut. I'm talking no about injury. Him, him literally getting through this season. He is being beat up constantly. And, and what I don't understand is even when he's not being beat up on the dropbacks, they're calling plays where he's rushing to get hit. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm not sure what they're doing or how they're using the limited personnel that they have. And here's how I'm going to cheer you up. You ready? Yes. And one question. What? Aren't you glad you're not the Giants? Absolutely. But I've always been not the Giants. Been glad I'm not the Giants. The Giants are putrid. And Giants have another problem because apparently Saquon Barkley's issue isn't exactly going swimmingly either. He still hasn't had his surgery. It doesn't make sense to me. What are, what are they waiting for? So I was seeing something that they were saying that you let the MCL heal because it provides more stability for the ACL when you do the reconstruction. Now I am 
again, I've had many in- knee injuries in my life, but I'm far from a doctor and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So I'm not prepared to <laughs> diagnose this, but that is what I read. So look at you that. with the free plug. There we go. Uh, we need advertising. So here's the, here's the problem and here's where my skepticism is. The fact that this came out the way that it came out leads me to believe that somebody thinks that this is not st- SOP standard operating procedure, right? Otherwise, this isn't a story. It's only a story if there's something going on here. So you think there's smoke? I think there's something there. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite sure yet what it is. But I, you wonder if this is coming from Barclays camp. Because what they're not happy with the doctors? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, another thing that does not put me at ease after last night's game, Jake Elliott. Um, What's going on? <laughs> uh, okay, if if you're going to tell me he he misses over fifty, yeah, okay, I'll I'll maybe. How about under thirty? You're not okay. You're you're, you're not okay with that. And an extra point, <clears throat> I am slightly concerned, and I'm concerned when they're bringing in the Temple kicker for a tryout. Apparently, who's never kicked one over fifty yards in college? Okay, uh, well, yeah, but if he can kick under, if he can kick under fifty consistently, will you take it? We're going to carry two kickers. I'm um, no, you, you'll take the, the kicker instead. And the I'd fact like that Jake Elliott to just do his job, thank you. You're in the playoff hunt, so if, oh, if you have to, if you have to bring, <laughs> you're in the playoff hunt, they're two, four, and one. So if you, if you have to bring in a kicker who's consistent under 50 yards, you take it. This isn't fan, it's not your fantasy team. You don't get five points if you kick the ball over 50 yards. Can't believe you were able to say with a straight face for a playoff. <laughs> I can't. It's embarrassing, but I did say it with a straight face. It but is. Can we go a little farther south right now? Sure. Because I wanted to get your impression on Fitz Magic. Who so, gutted, his heart stomped on. Okay. Yeah. So hold on. But before we make fun of his feelings, okay? I'm making fun of his feelings. I like the passion. The Dolphins are three and three, right? Yes. Okay. They're playing well. Yes. They're in contention. Yes. Why now do you bench him with Tua who who had, what, two passes in garbage time when the Dolphins were way up? He wasn't playing garbage time because the Dolphins were getting blown out. He was playing garbage time because the Dolphins were way ahead. How in the world did they make the decision now as a veteran of this team, I cannot imagine that the teammates are happy about this. I was really surprised. Um, Fitzpatrick played the good teammate on Sunday, cheering when Tua came in. Saw the pictures after the game, Tua sitting at the 50-yard line, looking out. And I, that got out for a reason, of course. And he called his mom and dad on the 50-yard line. It's very touching. Wonderful and, marketing and, right there, Jeff. And, and, and I, I don't know about you. I'm saying that with complete sarcasm because if you've ever seen an interview with him and his his dad, it's to me it's rather disturbing. He's he's the he's the epitome of of all the things I've railed about about uh, sports parents. All right, we'll get that in another yeah. day. Right. So let's go back to Fitzmagic's uh, feelings. If if you're a player on that team who's put yourself in three and three in a division that the Jets are a mess, the Bills are playing well, but you know, they're still the Bills. New England is a shell of what it was. You have a chance, at 
again, it's like the NFC East. It's nobody's running away with the division. And here you are taking a quarterback who has played well. It's not like he lost the job because he was playing poorly. They're, they're, it's a bizarre time to do it. I, I that he felt like it was time. And it's like, okay. Well, it's only time if they had planned this, if they projected this from the beginning of the season and said, look, we don't really care about this season. I cannot, I mean, maybe we might find out we're wrong, but I have a feeling that this was pushed because Burrow was playing well and Herbert was playing well. In general, uh, the time to make a change is after a bye. If you're going to bring in, you know, you're, you've got time to practice with the team, all those things. That would be the time if you were going to make a change. When just, you're playing poorly. Yes. It yeah. just surprised me that now was the timing. Uh, would you be hey. surprised if they push the Super Bowl back to March? Oh, I don't think I don't think it'll go back to March. Look, look what they're well. You're gonna you're gonna have to have like a massive outbreak is what's gonna have to happen. Why else would they be pushing it back that far? They're they come hell or high water. They're making every game go on. Well, they're worried about what happens if there's an 18th week. Do they have to push back more after? Uh, I guess everything will depend on what happened. Look, Major League Baseball has gone 54 days without a positive test in the bubble. So again, the NFL's work. not in a bubble. Oh, I know bubbles work. I'm just okay. keep reminding other sports about that. They bubbles work. Work. Yeah. Uh, any matchups that got your attention this week? We got about Bill, Bill, Bill's Jets, but it's only because I, I want to see the Jets go 0-16. There, there is a very good chance that the New York market, uh, the, the New York City market, could have one win amongst those two teams the rest of this for the entire season. The Jets could not be worse, and somehow Adam Gase still has a job. Yeah, I have. I talked to my Jets fan friends uh, about that. How? How? What is? What is? What does Adam Gase have over owners that he somehow has jobs? Adam Gase never should have gotten that job in the first place. Right. Not qualified to have that job now. And, and you've I, never heard anybody say anything positive about him coming out of that, that locker room. No, not at all. And, and so the Sunday ad, Sunday night game now is Seahawks-Cardinals. Good Seahawks, game. Who, yes, I get to watch DK Metcalf again in primetime and wish for what the Eagles could have drafted. Well, the Buccaneers-Raiders game would have been good, it but we don't know if it's being played. I mean, there are not... Same thing, the 49ers-Patriots game, I guess, is an okay game, but... It, there really are not a lot of good football games. The fighting Nick Foles play on Monday night. The Bears at the Rams. Five and one Bears, Jeff. The fighting Foles. Oh, God. It's it. It's going to make people in this city go crazy when the Bears are playing well and the Eagles continue to struggle. The Eagles it's, still have a chance, though, to win their next two games and be in better shape. Who knows? You know, can we I, talk a little bit about baseball, even though baseball season isn't here? Because Bring it up. Because I don't understand what the Phillies are doing. Okay, good conversation about baseball. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Uh, I, I, they, they have an interim general manager, and yet they're are laying... Sure, are we sure he's interim? Well, I asked you that before the show. We don't know the answer to that. We don't know. The interim appears to still be there, but I don't know whether or not he's the general manager. He's not. I, I mean, let's face it. it. It appears that we have our Jerry Jones in John Middleton. So I'm not quite sure what we're going to do about this. But what I do know is they seem to be cutting scouts. And I don't know why you cut scouts at a time that you don't have your top of the front office decided because you don't know what direction they're going on. And especially when one of them is Pete McKinnon, who's a pretty good baseball mind. I don't understand why this is where they're cutting 
money and time. Especially when the owner railed about the player development system. So if you want to make changes to the people who are making those scouting decisions, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're just going to cut the positions altogether, again, he went to a press conference and said, if you can tell me what happens with COVID and who's in the stadium, I can tell you what money we have. That's a very short-term look for a billionaire who does very well looking at the long-term, Jeff. So I believe there's an event going on right now called the World Series. Yes. And I believe one of those teams has a payroll that is like $29 million. And traded for Mookie Betts, who's made some amazing... No, no, I'm talking about the Rays. Oh, the Rays. The Rays' payroll is a pittance. Okay, yeah. it's about Bryce Harper's and, and and what JT Real Muto would make if they actually paid him. Okay, I just had to throw that in to tweak you. Um, the Rays somehow can do it without any of the information that Middleton needs. Now the Dodgers are a whole different story because they just spend and spend and spend, and it looks like it finally is going to pay off for them. I, I do think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, although I think Charlie Morton's is. It, when you watch Charlie, Charlie Morton, do you not sit there and keep going, hey, we had him. There's we just kind of let him go. There's a lot of players that I watch and, and have that reaction, Jeff. Who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for the Dodgers or are you rooting for the Rays? The Dodgers, and I don't have a really? reason why. Why? Why do you not want the Rays to win? They are the consummate find, underdog. Because I find the Dodgers to just be a fun team for some reason. That wasn't the answer I thought you were going to give either. Why would I thought you were going to give the old Tampa doesn't deserve it. No, I don't that care. The city had, but do you realize there's a there's a decent chance that Tampa could have the World Series champion and the Stanley Cup champion? Yeah. Their fans don't deserve that. <laughs> and, and, and they have a team that could go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they definitely don't deserve that either. <laughs> Want to talk for a few minutes before we hop off about the best team in Philadelphia? The Union? The Union, Jeff. They have the second best record in the MLS. The second most points. That's think about that. They've taken ten of a possible twelve points in their last four matches. Yep. Their homegrown talent continues to excel on the field. Anthony Fontana with a beautiful goal. I think it was the MLS goal of the week mm-hmm. in the game against the Revolution. That the Union were actually outshot twenty-two to seven, and were outpossessed. 57 percent to 43 for the game and still well that's not good no and you you that means your defense is having a lot of leaks and you are lucky that you have a goalie that's playing as great as he's playing again andre blake had a sick save Mm -hmm. towards the end of that game to preserve that lead and he's played very well all season yeah i mean people don't realize how good a goalie the union has huge matchup this saturday night Back at home tomorrow night, some fans in the stadium play Toronto FC. If they lose, they'd be six points back with three games left. If they win, they would be tied with Toronto FC in points and wins, and they would hold tiebreakers for goal differential and goals for. You left out if they tie. But only the Eagles tie. <laughs> it is soccer. <laughs> if they tie, they'd still be three points back and right. they still have yeah. a chance to catch them, but uh-huh. they need Toronto to lose another game. This is going to be their best chance to, to close that. But, you know, either way, the, the focus of the team and the way that they've played this season, it seems like uh, Coach Curtin and some of their players realize the importance of this game towards, again, legitimizing this franchise. 
this is this is the process as it's supposed to work in building a sports team. We say this every time we talk about the union. They are the perfect mix of everything that you want from veterans to young homegrown talent to having the goalie to everything that they have done, the way they have constructed this team and with the patience with which they've done it and the coach that they're doing it with. This, this is the team that we should all be getting behind. They've done it the right way. They're good citizens in this area. I don't, I don't know how this isn't gone to like union fever yet. Well, if they keep winning, I mean, everybody loves a winner. And then- yeah, but how long are we going to, how, what do you mean? We're, we're almost through the full season. They did great in the MLS's back yeah, tournament. I still don't think soccer gets enough coverage to penetrate when the team isn't, you know, they, they don't end up on the front page of the Inquirer sports section unless there's a big game and they win. Well, it's not well, th- but they've, they've played a bit. Well, here, here we go. So let's see. Let's see if you're right. Let's see if Sunday's paper has the union on the front page of the if, sports If section. they win, it will. We hope. It will, because what other local sport will be there? The Eagles don't play on Sunday. They've already played. He, s- sadly, sadly if, if they win, I suspect a certain column will say, union win by seven goals, but have holes in this area and this and this area. Okay, I'm just saying, uh, that seems to be every article I read in, in the Inquirer when it comes to the union. They won the game, but here's all the problems they have. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the team does. It, mm-hmm. I, I really am. Jeff, we, we have under a minute left. Uh, golf, Bill Mickelson's not comfortable playing in Houston Open next week. With I don't blame him. I really don't. It, it, you get people are, are right around where, I mean, there's the ropes that keep you off. But you don't know where the ball is going to be hit. I don't know how they're dealing with the fans. It's going to be a limited number of fans. 2,000 fans at a golf tournament is not not at all a lot. But if I'm a golfer, I can see why you'd be concerned about having fans close by, especially the week before, as weird as it sounds, the Masters. Yeah, it's really weird. that The, the Masters, Masters is in a week and a half or two weeks. We're going to have to reach out to Michael Collins for that. That's going to be the last word. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.